Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Thank you for having Good to see you. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. Welcome to the program. Nice to have you here. It is Thursday. You know what I call it. Friday Eve. Uh, we're getting so close to the holidays. Um, so it's like Christmas-ish Eve, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but people are still working. It's, it's still busy. Um, prosecutors are still going through the uh, house at 1122 King Road. What? Yes. I know. Weird. I think three times now it was supposed to be torn down and then they postponed and they're there. Last week, the defense was there. What's going on? Are they really going to stick to this date next week to tear it down? And if so, why would they need to be there today? And that's not even the biggest news in Idaho today. The biggest news is this. We now are a heck of a lot closer to knowing when Brian Koberger is going to go to trial. Because it's official. The prosecution has asked for this summer. They've asked for six weeks in the summer months. There are specific reasons why they've chosen the summer months. I'm going to lay it all out for you, tell you exactly what the prosecutors have asked the court. Why six weeks? Whether that includes death penalty phase, because you know when there's death penalty, there's two trials, right? There's the evidentiary phase, and if he's guilty, then there's the death penalty phase. And they take time, take witnesses, takes testimony and deliberations. So this summer, mark it in your calendar. Book your ticket or don't. And I have a reason for saying, or don't, because there are all sorts of hinky things that can come in and mess with a trial date. And we don't have a date, we have a window. I'm gonna get into that all in a moment. So then the next thing is, and it's court again, and it's Sean Williams. I thought we were gonna have kind of a quiet week with Sean Williams locked up with the US Marshals, and then he'd just show up today for his uh, federal court appearance, but we got a new mugshot. And I think things are going well for him in jail. He doesn't look good. Not that he has ever really looked good, but he's looked better than this. Maybe for good reason. Tried to kill himself, so they say, in a jail cell this week. Personally, I have my own opinion about what that was all about. I'll share that with you in a minute. Um, and then he had to face the judge with, you know, a federal courthouse looming and a lot of bad stuff that he's being accused of. It's hard to keep track, but I've got the list. And I'm going to tell you what it was he had to face the judge on today. Uh, starts with child, ends with porn. And that might be the least of the troubles against him. Can you believe I just said that? All right, so we're going to take you inside that courtroom. We got a view from the courtroom, correspondent who was right there, got a look at him in person. How are they securing him, by the way? <laughs> this wily guy. Three escape attempts now. 
How do they secure him when they're going from the van to the courthouse to the back to the jail? I mean, he's escaped from the prison van before. So then I also, um, well, there are two ladies who we should probably say are probably going to spend Christmas behind bars. And I say that because they took someone else's Christmas, allegedly. Uh, feast your eyes on these two Grinchettes. Here's the deal. It's funny except for the fact that it isn't because they decided to allegedly steal all the holiday presents in someone's house as well as all their other great stuff while they were at a funeral, grandma's funeral. And this is not a one-off, my friends. There is a long history of these felons doing this, targeting people who are grieving and then just going shopping at the homes where they're at funerals. They've been caught before with stolen cars. Cars filled with stolen goods. Stolen cars filled with stolen goods. So I'm going to show you their pictures again as we get into the program. Not right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you who they are, what their MO was this time. And you're going to hear from the woman who was targeted, who had all her stuff stolen, her holiday presents stolen. She's got a thing or two to tell these ladies. Let's start here, though. We still have a lot of unanswered questions in that Idaho quadruple murder case. But tonight... One of the biggest is a whole lot closer to being answered. It's a a low-key kind of filing that came in just hours ago. The state asked the court that the trial of Brian Koberger begin and end this coming summer. The filing says the trial should, quote, last approximately six weeks, including, quote, the penalty phase, if there is one. And so why this summer? Perfectly good answer. To avoid times, they say, when Moscow high school and area universities are in session. Look at this map. You can see where the Latok County Courthouse is on the right. You can see the Moscow High School very close by, University of Idaho, uh, not that much farther away. Um, It says, already the motion reads, the significantly increased amount of media and other vehicles related to this case has strained available parking. There's also the question of lodging which is often scarce when the University of Idaho is in session, and they are not in the summertime, for the most part. It does remain to be seen what the defense is going to have to say about this request. Again, this is the prosecutors asking the court, let's go, we're ready. Let's go to trial this summer. So I can't wait till the defense responds. There's Ann Taylor smiling in different times. But you you might remember that that Brian Koberger uh, waived his right to the speedy trial. And then since he did that, everything really just kind of came to a screeching halt. So how speedy is speedy? Is a year and a half speedy? Not speedy? Too long? I had a chance earlier today to run this by Richard Block. He is an Idaho defense attorney who has been following the case closely. So Richard, give me your thoughts on this notice by the state that it assumes there could be a trial uh, as early as this summer, six weeks long. What are the odds it's actually going to be this summer? Well, from a defense point of view, I'd certainly be worried about this summer. That sounds real early to me. I would want as much time as I could. Uh, my guess is the state's probably pretty ready, going to be pretty ready this summer to go to trial. But the defense uh, probably needs a little more time to gather all their evidence to get everything together. They might be ready. I, you know, I, you know, I'm obviously not on the defense team. I don't know exactly what's going on there. But a year and a half from the indictments here, or from the original criminal complaint here, is. Uh, would be pretty fast uh, to go to trial. It, my guess is probably longer. 
What does it say that the state uh, is making the request? Does it does it indicate they're ready? They've got their ducks in a row. And should it make the defense nervous? I don't know that it would make the defense nervous. The state's always ready first. The state's case is best on day one. The state can get to trial so much faster than the defense can because they've had all their investigators working on it for a long time. They're gathering evidence. And from a defense point of view, it's just so much harder to gather evidence after someone has been arrested. Um, So it's not a surprise that the state would be ready first. Defense has just got a lot of work to do to catch up. Scale of 1 to 10, the odds we're going to see a trial before the end of 2024. I think there's a decent chance. I'd put that at a 50-50 at best. Okay, Richard Block, thanks so much. Thank you. 50-50 at best. That's interesting. On a related note, a closely related note, the now infamous party house where the murders took place is due to meet the wrecking ball one week from today. University... They own the house. Uh, Still not backing down from that date, despite the vocal objections of most of the victim's family members. Here is what Steve Gonzalez, who's the father of Kaylee Gonzalez, here's what he told us last week. We're at a moment in the case that we don't even have a trial date. You know, we've had a trial date for almost the vast majority of once they had a suspect. So we don't have a trial date, but we have a date to have you know, largely the biggest piece of evidence being destroyed, which just seems backwards, you know. We have a window, a request for a trial window, but he's right. We don't have a date yet. And since the announcement of the demolition date, 28th of December, both the defense and the prosecution have asked for additional access to 1122 King Road, despite the fact that both of them signed off on the teardown months ago. The defense spent like parts of last Thursday and Friday there. And then today, the prosecution showed up. What's that? I want to bring in Lauren Mathias now. She's the host of the very popular Hidden True Crime podcast, and she's been covering the case since the beginning. Let's talk about the scheduling of the trial first, because that that was a big wow, a shocker. I, I didn't expect that to come in today. So they're proposing this summer, but they've got a few other asks as well. Um, lay that out for me. Yeah, they're not. They're asking, as you mentioned, for the, the deadline for the trial dates, right? And, and they, it, they're also giving us a hint that it'll be early in the summer if this actually happens because they want school out of session. They're also asking for deadline for the jury questionnaire. They're asking a deadline for jury instructions. They're asking a deadline for discovery from both the defense and the prosecution. And this is just the beginning. They're not only asking for a trial date, they're asking for every other thing needed for a trial to happen this summer. Man, they sound like they're so ready. I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Again, you heard Richard Block talk about it, right? A year and a half is lightning fast for a, a murder trial, let alone a quadruple murder trial. And he said he gives it a 50-50 shot at actually being able to go ahead on that day. We all know how it works. We judge, we need a continuance. Judge, we're not ready. Judge, we need a delay, you know. Um, but let's talk about the prosecution Showing up at the house today, you know, this was supposed to be planned months and months ago that that house would already be in detritus, right? So um, what were they doing? Do we have any idea? I don't think this is soothing any minds that they were there seven days before demolition is supposed to happen. We don't have any idea what they were doing because there's a gag order. So we can't hear what the prosecution was doing there. We can only sit here and speculate and wonder what in the world would the prosecution want to do seven days 
before the biggest piece of evidence, the crime scene is demolished. And it's not really, I think, soothing minds of people invested in this case and concerned about this case going to trial without this piece of evidence. They haven't asked, the prosecution hasn't asked to retain the House, so why do they need to go there again and again and this soon, just before it's supposed to be demolished? I'm just shocked. I mean, again, like this this time, well, maybe like January of last year, we were talking about how they had planned to bring the house down uh, when the semester came to an end and then again in the summer and now again. So it's disturbing to me that there is something compelling enough inside that house that the prosecution would need to come back. It should be leveled if they had their way early on in this story. Okay, what about the online community? I'm getting the sense that, um, and, and it's not as though they have any you know, influence here, but there are a lot of people who care a lot about these families, about this case, and about the prosecution. What's the online community uh, suggesting in terms of their frustration with the, um, with the demolition date? There's a lot being voiced online, and you're right, so many people care about this case and care about justice for these victims. One thing that we're hearing from a few people is some people saying, well, could we protest? Could we block the streets on December 28th? I, d I don't know if that's going to happen, but, but that's how far some people are going and talking on, online right now is, could there be a protest formed in seven days? You know, listen, it's not pie in the sky. Um, I remember watching the Gabby Petito case play out story. I didn't become a case, but the story. Play and there were people from all over the country that got on airplanes to come down to the, the laundry's front yard. So, you know, this is the kind of thing where passions run high and people are sad and frustrated. Many in, you know, solidarity with the family. So I can understand why that chatter is there. And I would understand if it happened. I could understand uh, that it, we, we, we shouldn't count that out. Uh, Lauren Mathias, always good to see you. Thanks for doing this tonight. Thanks, Ashley. Hidden True Crime Podcast. It's a good one. Check it out. Uh, now, if all parties are actually fine with the House coming down in just a week, then why the final walkthrough? Why would the prosecution be there today? For that, I turn to a very smart prosecutor, Dave Ehrenberg. He's the state attorney for Palm Beach County in Florida. He's former assistant attorney general. What could be left, Dave? What could possibly be left for them to look at to compel an actual on-site visit today, a week before the wrecking ball? Ashley, as your last guest correctly noted, because of the gag order, we don't know. And as a prosecutor, I could only guess that perhaps... They need one more look at the angles, the models that were created, taking more photographs. But you would think that would have been done by now, especially because the demolition is occurring in a week. And so I think that prosecutors need to be careful that they've already agreed to this demolition and it could only come back to haunt them. I mean, because it's up to the defense to poke holes in the prosecution's case. And if they come up with some new theory the prosecution was not aware of, and the prosecution can't go back to the House to disprove it, oh boy, that could be reasonable doubt. So I hope the prosecution has an airtight case that they've got enough with DNA and other evidence that they don't need this House, but I just think that it's better that they keep it. Part of me wants to ask if it was just a show. Uh, prosecutors showing up for the sake of the media to see that they're crossing their last T's and dotting their last I's. But then the other part of me thinks, well, then they, you know, they get excoriated 
for, for showing up at a place they thought three times ago it wasn't needed. Prosecutors are busy, Ashley. They're not going to do something for show. Uh, they're not doing this for the cameras. They're doing this because it provides some important evidence or at least crosses that T and dots the I because they're going to trial. They say they're ready for trial. And this is because they just want to make sure that they've got everything they need before it is torn down. And look, it's a good case. I don't think they necessarily need the house, but I think it's always better if you're a prosecutor when you've got the entire burden of proof that the house is there just in case. So I hope it goes well for them. I think they're going to win this case regardless, but I think they should keep the house. One thing about this, Ashley, is that I anticipate that the university, which is a very powerful player in town, has probably leaned on the players involved to say, we really want this gone. Do whatever you can to get rid of this house of horrors. And so it lit a fire, perhaps, under the prosecution. Yeah, it could be. Um, can I ask you about the trial date? I mean, look, the, I, I didn't expect to see the filing just poof. They, they always throw things at you right during the holidays or before the holidays when they think more people are busy with shopping. But in came the filing just a few hours ago saying, court, we are asking for six weeks this summer when the university students aren't there and when the high school students aren't there. But that's, a, as you heard, Richard Block, that's about 18 months, 19 months or so from the actual murder. Well, no, from the arrest. Uh, that's lightning warp speed to me, especially on a, a quadruple murder trial. What are your thoughts about the possibility we could see a Brian Koberger trial this summer? I think it's possible, especially because the parties were ready to go a couple months ago. And then it was the defense that said, all right, hold on. We're actually not ready now. And let's take back our request for speedy trial. So I think the fact that they were going to go just a couple months ago shows you that if this occurs in the summertime, I think they'll be ready. Now, if the defense comes back and says, you know, Your Honor, we need more time, the judge usually gives a lot of deference to the defense. They want to make sure they get their Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial. So as I like to say, the tie goes to the defendant and they will postpone it. But I do believe this trial will occur sometime next year, hopefully in that summertime, because as you correctly said, that's when school is out and there's a logistical issue if you've got high school and college in while the trial is occurring at the same time. Well, you know, plenty of cities have plenty of things going on like Orlando and Disney World and all the rest, and they can still hold big trials uh, that are media spectacles. I'm looking at you, Casey Anthony. Um, but I do want to ask you about the speedy aspect. How long does Brian Koberger have um, in his waving of the speedy aspect? Like, how long is too long? How many continuances? How many delays? How long can he actually hold out before the judge finally says, Ms. Taylor, your client and you will be in court on X date? It's up to the judge and the prosecutors can weigh in. But, you know, the public and the victims' families they all have a right to a speedy trial, too. It's not as guaranteed in the Constitution as the defendant's right in the Sixth Amendment, but right. there is an interest to have a fast trial, not to delay this anymore. You don't want the victim's families to be victimized yet again. You know, you, know, you also don't want memories to fade. And I look, I struggle with what I had for breakfast. Um, and when you're talking about two, three, four years, that starts oh. to get tricky for, for memories and then finding uh, certain witnesses, et cetera. So I can see how justice delayed is slightly justice denied, but I also understand the speedy trial. You're so smart. That's why we call you. Dave Ehrenberg, thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Have a great night. And a great uh, holiday season, too. Um, always love having Dave on with us. Coming up in just a moment, they are like the thieves from Home Alone. 
only they are real and they are way more disgusting. Helping themselves to holiday presents and valuables while a family was at grandma's funeral. Meet the two latest Lady Grinches and hear what their victim has to say about them because she is live with me next. who stole Christmas presents from a six-year-old and a three-year-old right out from under the family's Christmas tree. And you may have thought that when it comes to stealing, well, we really hit the bottom of the barrel with that one. Lowest of the low. I know that's what I thought, but it uh, turned out I was wrong. That's because I didn't know about what happened in Houston. Karen Papantanakis. Oh, this is a tough one. Karen Papa. Papantanakis, I think I got it, Karen Papantanakis. Uh, she was out with her two kids when they got an alert from their home surveillance system. And they opened the app to see this, watching in real time as two women helped themselves to the family's belongings, carried them out of the house, loaded them into the car. By the way, this was no petty theft. These crooks made off with $50,000 worth of stuff. Everything from jewelry to silver. Even the kids' school backpacks were stolen. Oh, and the holiday presents at the house. The timestamps on the video show that the thieves were in the house more than 30 minutes, which coincidentally is the same amount of time that Karen and her kids had been, brace yourself, at Karen's mother's funeral. That's right. They were at grandma's funeral. The family was burglarized during the holidays while attending grandma's funeral. The thieves were long gone when the police arrived, but a couple days later, those AirPods that the thieves decided to steal belonged to the kids, and they were tracked to an apartment. And wouldn't you know it, that's where police found the two suspects. And, shockingly, some of the stolen goods. Tonight, 31-year-old Adrian Hart and 29-year-old Sage Grider, in their most proud moments, being shown on television like this, charged with burglary. And maybe it's not surprising either, with this level of callousness, that Adrian and Sage have done this before. In 2020, they were caught with a car that they had stolen while that owner was also at a funeral. But it was his own funeral. Hart and Grider stole a dead man's car. And when the cops found it, it was filled to the brim with other stolen things. And it also had in it a, a list with names of people who died and their relatives. You see the strategy here? Adrian and Sage appeared in court on Monday. And because they were still on probation from that last crime spree, their bail was set at $105,000 each. Their trials are going to start in the new year. In the meantime, the woman whose holiday cheer was pilfered during the funeral, she and the kids are now trying to redeck their halls, so to speak. Karen Pompantanakis joins me now live. Karen, that is a tricky last name, but I think I got it right the second or third time. Um, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad they caught these particular uh, people. But how did you explain this to your kids right at the holiday season? Oh, well... To be honest, 
the loss of my mother was really kind of overtaking and overshadowing the fact that it was the holidays. Um, so we were all, we still are so heartbroken. It's been barely a week that her funeral, since her funeral. So I think we hadn't even really wrapped our minds around the fact that, you know, the holiday, the holidays were even coming up. Um, I mean, it was the first day of Hanukkah uh, when she passed and we celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas. So it was, we were in the holidays as far as, you know, as far as that goes. So it's, I'm so it's, sorry. And my condolences go to you and your, your kids, your family that you've had to go through all of this, you know, first of all, the loss of your mom and then this insult upon that injury. Was there any solace in the fact that they caught them and, and I assume got some of your stuff back? Did they get much of your stuff back? Uh, yes. I mean, that does help. Um, it, it definitely made us feel better a little bit. Um, but ironically, when we got some of the stuff back, I, like for me, it's just still sitting in the corner. I don't even want to touch it. Um, so it's just weird. Um, but yes, they stole over $50,000 worth of things. Um, I mean, just like you mentioned, everything from, you know, jewelry and silver and electronics, um, presents. Um, and then even they, they ransacked my children's rooms and they even took a handful of stuff out of my son's drawer that had school pictures and pictures of him with family and handmade cards that um, his sister had made him. Um, you know, when they caught them very quickly, the police acted very quickly. We were so grateful for that. Um, that made us feel better knowing that they were in jail. It was just two days later that they were in jail. Um, but when we got a lot of the stuff back, it was just, we didn't even realize half the stuff, you know, that had been taken. We're still realizing, you know, still figuring out what's been stolen. Uh, we don't have a full handle on everything. Um, they say it'll probably be months that we're still figuring things out of things that were stolen. But we did my, my family went through it, too. I hear you. You don't know what you don't know until you all of a sudden find out. And sometimes it's months later. Right. And it's just like it's just that aggravation just keeps coming back to haunt you. You actually went to court and you got a, a firsthand look at them. I, I want you to take me to that experience. Uh, yes. Well, so I'm also a lawyer. And so I understand the importance of. Uh, the complainant or the victim being in court and being present for all of these proceedings. And I plan to be at all of them. Um, I know that it's, it, it's a really important. Um, when I honestly didn't know how I feel, um, but when I saw them, I was, I, I got emotional. Um, it really just brought me back to that day, which was my mother's funeral. And it hadn't even, at the time of the court date, it hadn't even been a week. I hadn't, I still, to this day, haven't had a chance to mourn my, the loss of my mother since the funeral service um, because I've been dealing with this. I had detectives at my house today. I had police officers at my house yesterday. Um, this has been a constant thing that, you know, that I've been having to now deal with. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. So it brought me back to that day and the it's, it's of my a, mother. Yeah. People don't realize, uh, unless you've been uh, robbed before and burgled like this, uh, burglarized, um, that the violation is, is even more uh, chilling than, than the stuff that, that you lose. And particularly around the holidays and the fact that they took advantage of your mom's 
funeral and clearly knew it. It wasn't happenstance. This was an MO that they had been using before. So it's, uh, I just want to let our viewers know that you started a foundation after your late mom. It's called the Malsman Pursley Foundation, AKA Grandma Bonnie's Angels. And it matches grieving families with people who will house sit for them during services. So you know what? You win. Um, they're awesome. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for being on tonight. Really appreciate it, Karen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tanakis. I did it. <laughs> I, I had to get it another time in because that's a tricky one, but I, I definitely needed to do that. Um, okay, so this next story, uh, mm, pretty chilling stuff. We knew that something terrible happened in Jeremy Best's home because the 911 call was terrifying. And when the police got there, his wife and his unborn child were dead and Jeremy was gone. So was the 10-month-old baby named Zeke. Well, now we know what happened to that little baby. Um, but if a mental instability is a factor in this crime, will it also be Jeremy's defense? That's coming up next. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator we have some grim developments and some grisly new details in a murder case out of Idaho. And before you say which murder case out of Idaho, it is the latest one. Uh, the latest one to get nationwide attention. Anyway, we reported on the killing of Callie Randall Best earlier this month. She was seven months pregnant. And her last known words were recorded on a 911 call that was cut off before she could actually ask for help. A voice that is presumed to be Callie's is heard yelling, Jeremy, no. After which a male voice says, get the F back, you're going to get shot. And then the male voice says, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jeremy is presumed to be Jeremy Best, husband of Callie and father of their unborn child, as well as father of their 10-month-old son named Zeke. By the time the police arrived on the scene, Jeremy and baby Zeke were gone. Callie and her unborn baby were dead. But two days later, Jeremy and baby Zeke were found. As we reported at the time, Jeremy was naked in a sleeping bag on the side of a highway, 60 miles from their home. Baby Zeke was nearby. He was dead near his father's SUV. And now weeks later, Jeremy Best has been indicted on one count of first-degree murder for each of these three victims, his wife, his son, and the child that his wife was carrying. Again, seven months pregnant. It has also been revealed that while Callie had been shot to death, whoever it was that killed Zeke had slit the toddler's throat. And police say it was his own father. Jeremy Best is currently undergoing a mental competency check. Not only was he naked when he was found in that sleeping bag, but just 12 hours before that 911 call came in, he'd been seen walking naked through the Swan Valley General Store in town. And police did respond to that 
And they did take him in, and he was evaluated at a hospital, but he was released. Twelve hours later, we know what happened. In some states, just about everything I said um, would really lay out a strong foundation for an insanity defense. But in Idaho, not so much. Earlier today, I spoke with Richard Block, an Idaho criminal defense attorney. Take a look. Richard, why is Idaho any different? Idaho is a little different because in Idaho, we don't allow the insanity defense. Idaho is one of only a handful of states where you have no insanity defense. That doesn't mean a mental state isn't important. Uh, a mental state can affect whether or not uh, you have the requisite intent for a crime, but there's no just straight insanity defense in Idaho. So does Idaho look at more of a diminished capacity, meaning there's something wrong here? We're not going to give you a full pass, but there's definitely something wrong that doesn't make him your typical murder defendant. Uh, no. Uh, in terms of the, the case itself and the facts of the case, Idaho says that um, in order to not um, have, uh, to have mental health uh, be a defense to the crime, it has to be so severe that you couldn't form the intent. In fact, there's a famous case out of Idaho where some guy literally thought aliens were coming down from the sky and he attacked them. And so he didn't have the intent to harm the humans that he actually harmed. He thought he was attacking aliens. So to be clear, if you're going to raise those issues at trial, uh, it's not like you're going to get a, a not guilty, but it could affect the kind of sentence you get or where you serve that sentence. A hundred percent. And that's really an important part. Whenever a client has really severe mental health issues, which seem to be uh, a, a factor here, uh, you are looking at this from a mitigation case standpoint. You want to make sure that uh, You've explored every little avenue of that. What's wrong with him? You get a forensic psychologist involved, maybe two. And, and the question that you're asking yourself is, um, is, is this, uh, did this have an effect on him? Did this have an effect on his decision to, make, to, to do the crime? And uh, that goes a lot into sentencing. It's really important, especially here. We've got uh, three first-degree murder charges, so the death penalty is something that could be on the table. And it's really important in all those aspects about minimizing the punishment or uh, making a difference in where this person would serve their time, whether in a mental health facility or in a prison. It's so hard seeing these pictures um, of them and in better days, those lovely wedding pictures and knowing what Callie must have gone through at seven months pregnant with her little boy, Zeke, uh, right there. Uh, Richard Block, thank you, as always. So good to have you. Do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And coming up, major new developments in the case of a suspected serial rapist and alleged child pornographer and drug trafficker in Tennessee. By the way, these are all the same person. You have heard the name Sean Williams before, and no, this time it's not about escape. He tried that, but it didn't work. No, he didn't try to escape this time. He did try suicide. Uh, that didn't work either. But today, Williams faced a federal judge. And the news for him, not good. Again, full details next. Sean Williams is in jail tonight, and he is very much alive. And I have to say that 
because this guy is pretty prone to escaping if you turn your back on him. He also tried to kill himself in his jail cell this week, supposedly. Because I have my doubts about that too. The way I see it, a visit to the hospital is an easy way to attempt escape number three. But here's a refresher. He is um, Sean Williams, the accused and suspected fella who, uh, well, listen, there's too many crimes for me to list, but child porn and escape and drugs and at least 52 rapes of unconscious women on tape, all of that is on his horizon. Here is the most recent glamour shot that we got from him. This is from two days ago, and he can add this one to a growing collection of mugshots. Today, he made his appearance in a federal courtroom. It was in Tennessee. Got himself a brand new lawyer and found out when his trial is going to start on just some of the child porn charges. Don't you hate that? When it's just some of them and you got to wait to know when you're going to be charged on the rest of them? Um, you should know that at least one of the charges involves victims under the age of 12. So that's not an accident or a mistake. I didn't know how old she was. So he's also facing, you know, court action at the state level too. Aggravated child rape. And aggravated sexual battery of a child. And that carries life no parole. I want to get uh, Jeff Keeling in here. He is with our affiliate WJHL News Channel 11 in eastern Tennessee. And he was in that federal courtroom today and he saw Sean Williams face to face. Jeff, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks for doing this. We don't get cameras in federal courtrooms. It uh, irks me beyond much else. But you got a chance to see everything. Can you take me there and tell me what happened, what you saw? Sure. Thanks, Ashley. Uh, yes, he uh, walked in under his own power and did not look terribly... Uh Worse for the wear from his uh, effort the other day. He had a bandage on his neck, and other than that, looked pretty much like the normal Sean. Ah, the bandage on his neck. Thank you. It was a mm -hmm. detail I did not know about because we were told he had to be rushed to the hospital for a suicide attempt. Should we presume the bandage was the suicide attempt? And if so, how bad was it? How big was it? Did it look real, or did it look like a phony attempt to get a trip to an easy-to-escape hospital? Can't really make that judgment. Um, you know, uh, the, the marshal said that he was, uh, that, that they were lucky that they saw him as quickly as they did. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make a call on that one. But uh, he certainly looked like he was feeling all right today. Yeah, this is the, uh, the, pic the picture we got when he was arrested several weeks ago after being out on the run 34 days, I think it was. And the canine uh, had to ferret him out from, I think, underneath a car near a 7 Eleven where he was spotted. So he's having some, t uh, some trouble keeping a defense attorney. I think he's now, what, at a count of about three? That's, that's right. Uh, he kept his first one for about a month. I think it was uh, his choice on that one. And then um, the gentleman today, that was what he was supposed to be there for on October 18th, was the motion uh, by his attorney to withdraw from his case. That finally got heard today. Took all of about two minutes uh, of the judge in the courtroom with the attorney and us coming back in. And she granted that request. So now he's got number three. I'm sort of squinting at the mugshot there that's between us trying to find... Um, the, the band-aid, but I think the mugshot was taken maybe right before the so-called suicide attempt, so it's not... It, I would not be able to see the position of it where you saw it in this particular picture, would I? Uh, no, that, that's right. He got booked in, and within a couple of hours, apparently, he, he made this attempt. Um, 
I figured that was it for, for Thursday's hearing, but uh, he made a rapid recovery. So they were able to get him there patched up, and uh, he, he spoke to the judge and got his new attorney, and he, you're right, he's got a whole lot in front of him. Oh, I mean, it's too much to list, but they're foul charges, just a d despicable, despicable stuff. So can you tell me about the level of security? When we were covering Caitlin Armstrong in Texas, we noticed there were like five or six extra deputies that surrounded her in the courtroom, which I thought was, you know, almost uh, vaudeville because, I mean, escaping from a courtroom is hard. It's been done, but it's hard. What about this guy? You know, three escape attempts. He's clearly clever enough to be out on the run 34 days and get out of a prison van with two guards in it, a transit van, small transit van. What did the security look like um, for this visit to the federal courthouse today? Well, they are no longer uh, using the contracted jails to take him now to the courthouse. They are, the marshals are doing that themselves. And we saw two SUVs with a uh, sedan in the middle of them pull up and into the Sally Port. Uh, today when they brought him there. So uh, the marshal has told us we're handling all transport now. There were lots of marshals in the courthouse. And, uh, you know, he, he clearly has a, a motive to want to get back out because we did some math yesterday. And uh, you're right, that's a lot of charges. And just on the sex charges he is facing right now, um, uh, if they were all served consecutively, he's found guilty on all of them. He's looking at 890 years plus, as you said, that uh, that life without parole for the one. That's a lot of time. I mean, give or take, right? 890 years life <laughs> with life without parole, give or take. Uh, Jeff Keeling, thank you. I mean, I, I love it uh, when I can get a firsthand account like this of what happens in a courtroom when the federal courts won't let us see that transparency uh, for ourselves. So will you come back again on the show? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Jeff Keeling. Okay, so remember that name, WJHL News Channel 11 in Eastern Tennessee. It's going to be a regular. So we are still four days um, away from Christmas. Have you finished all your shopping? Because if you haven't, have I got a deal for you. Both Beyonce and Kim Kardashian are crazy about this thing, and for good reason. It's a limited edition. There are only about 20 of them in the entire United States. And if you act now, you can get it at a good discount. Pour yourself a drink because I'm going to solve this riddle in four minutes. Since we're a true crime show and it's Christmas, uh, you better believe that my gift idea is a steal. See what I did there? Uh, here it is. It's Kanye West's house in Malibu. It is on the market, and the price has come way, way down, relatively speaking. Uh, you can snap it up tonight for a mere $53 million. I realize that that is a ridiculous amount, but it is over a million dollars less than Kanye paid for it in 2021, and it's $22 million less than the asking price in 2020. So why the discount? Well, feast your eyes on the thing in the middle. Um, Yes, the housing market might be softening and interest rates are up. Uh, and to be honest, the place, um, it's a real fixer-upper. Because after West bought it, he gutted it entirely. He was hoping to renovate it, but he never did. So now it is literally a giant concrete box. Even the windows are missing. It's just that. It's just stairs with no glass there. Uh, the neighbors say it's an eyesore. They hope somebody buys it soon. And to that end, West has hired the realtor from TV's Selling Sunset, who's been playing up the property's good points. 
Um, it's world-famous Japanese architect, for one, who's designed only about 20 houses in the entire USA. Uh, this house is 4,000 square feet. It also comes with a beautiful shared beach. So act fast. The operators are standing by. And speaking of Christmas deals, we are holding a special holiday online contest to pick the most popular fictional Christmas crook. Is it the Grinch or Alan Rickman and Die Hard or is it someone else? You can vote on all of my socials, on Insta, on Facebook, and on Twitter, that now I have to say is X. Um, all of them are either at Ashley Banfield or TV Ashley, spelled L-E-I-G-H. Uh, you can vote right up until just before tomorrow's show when I will announce the winner. And you can be a part, you can make history. <laughs> How about that? Right before the holiday. Make holiday history. Hey, uh, thanks for making history with us tonight. It's been great to have you. I'll see you tomorrow. Cuomo's next. All right, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Thursday. We're live. We got breaking news on our watch, so let's get after it. Breaking just minutes ago, former President Donald Trump caught on tape, a recorded call, pressuring canvassers in Wayne County, Michigan, to not sign the certification of the 2020 presidential vote, which would have declared Joe Biden the winner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.